Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. You can visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are also brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. And don't forget, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. So tonight in the National Football League, it's Thursday night football. Tomorrow night, locally, Friday night football with Blue Friday Night Lights. That, of course, is an initiative from the Seattle Seahawks in which they're going to come up and they're going to uh, do the pregame and everything for a game between Centennial and Vancouver College, which is at Centennial's brand new turf facility. It's a big event, and they got a big guest to join them. Joining us now in advance of Blue Friday Night Lights, very excited to have him on the program, one of the greatest Seattle Seahawks linebackers of all time, K.J. Wright, joining us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, KJ. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Doing well. How you guys doing? We're good. Thanks. And thanks for taking the time to do this. This is great. Big fans of yours from your time with the Seahawks. And, you know, it's cool that you're coming up here for the Friday Night Lights thing and high school football and everything. Uh, Now that you've, you know, taken a step back and you're doing some media and you're traveling with the blue Friday Night Lights, um, does this kind of remind you of your days back in Olive Branch High School in Mississippi when you got your start and you were playing high school football? I mean, those are the good old days, man. Friday night lights, um, the whole town, where I'm from, the whole town just shut down, stadiums filled, and uh, we just played some good uh, Mississippi football. And so I'm really looking forward to it, see how they do it in Vancouver and see the energy and the atmosphere, and so it could be fun. Now, this has been a week of reminiscing, I guess, because earlier in the week, the timing of this is perfect because on Monday, Monday Night Football, you and a lot of the Seahawks alumni were in the house for that very highly anticipated game where Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson came back to town. What was it like being back at now Lumen Field with a lot of your ex-teammates, seeing how much excitement and how much passion there was from the fan base for that particular game, how big a moment it was with Russell Wilson yeah, coming back? It was it was just so much energy, and all the stars came out. I saw, you know, Marshawn was there, Sherm, Doug, Cliff Averill, like literally all the fellas was there to see that primetime football game. And so super cool atmosphere for me to go up there and raise a 12-man flag to get the, you know, the atmosphere pumping, everybody excited. They scored on that first drive, and so that place was rocking, and it definitely felt like the good old days. As a former Seahawk, but also a former teammate of Russell Wilson, what were you feeling after the win? So I was happy. My heart was beating so fast after uh, during that drive. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, I, I love Russell, but I did not want, want them to win the game. So my heart was beating fast. I was like, please miss his field goal. And, um, but it was weird to see him on the other side and hear the fans boo him and um, see him wearing that Broncos jersey. But um, tough loss for Russ, but I know him very well. He's going to be successful out there in Denver. So just the first game, he's going to be all right. What was Russell like as a, as a teammate? How would you describe him as a teammate? I would say Russell was a teammate that was extremely, extremely locked in and focused. He was the guy that was strictly about his business, the way he carried himself in the locker room. He was always there early, leaving late. And uh, as, you, as he started growing older, you saw he started to, you know, let his tear down a little bit, joke on the plane, vibe more with the fellas. And so he really came in really serious and locked in. Uh, pros, pro, and I, I love to do it, and I enjoyed our time there when we played in Seattle. Were you surprised at all by the fan reaction to him? 
I was not knocked. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. Just um, I believe that word got out that he wanted to leave Seattle, and this fan base is going to forever stay loyal to the Seattle Seahawks. They don't care who the player is. And so they were upset. They were upset, and they definitely let him know, like, hey, we was with you for this 10 years you were here. We rocked you. We supported you. How dare you think about leaving us, Russell? So we're going to boo you. And so um, he definitely felt that. He definitely heard that. And I definitely believe that had an impact on the game. As a guy who had a front row seat to um, all the drama of the Seattle Seahawks <laughs> over, over the last decade, uh, I, I'm going to ask you, do you think the Seattle Seahawks uh, would make a good 30 for 30 documentary? Oh, my God. It would be a top seller. It's <laughs> There's so much stuff that went on in that locker room and, you know, during the Super Bowl and just drama, drama, drama. So it was um, a group of alpha males. It was a group of guys that were super passionate. And, um, yeah, man, we were great in our run, but it was some stuff that came with it for us to, um, you know, make it on Sundays. And so it'll definitely make a 30 for 30. We will have a 30 for 30. And uh, what I'm looking forward to, I think that we should just have our own thing, a group of just uh, the core guys sit down and have a live conversation and reflect on those years that we had. In oh, Seattle. that'd be amazing. That that could actually be the 30 for 30. That mm-hmm. could be the narrative that kind of, kind <laughs> exactly. of drives it. Exactly. Uh, um, the, the Super Bowl win was obviously uh, amazing, but the Super Bowl loss is the one that is still talked about. With all the egos and big personalities involved from those on the defense to Russell Wilson to Pete Carroll, the head coach, when there was that loss, was it inevitable that the Seahawks would kind of have trouble sticking together as a group? Oh, absolutely. The um, the trust was lost. The connection and that bond was broken during Super Bowl Forty Nine. And so we knew right then and there, like, this, this, we can't recover from this. As good, as talented as we are, there's, there's no recovering from this loss. I, I, I could have handled losing 40 to zero versus losing like that. And so um, definitely hard, hard, hard lesson we had to learn. And um, that, that feeling that we had, it lasted for about four years in that building. So definitely hard to overcome. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's it, the type of loss, right? Just how painful it was. It wasn't if like when you went in and blew out Denver. Um, I I don't think Denver had the same sort of sting or pain in large part because they oh, no. they had their Super Bowl. But no. you know, um, I'm sure you've seen this, and I've talked about it on the show earlier as well. Is that it started with Brady Henderson's ESPN piece, and it's being reiterated a few times that the loss has now become this thing where it's alleged that Russell Wilson called an audible on that final play at the goal line. <laughs> You're already laughing. This is great. So you've heard this, obviously, yeah. correct? <laughs> no, this, this is my first time, and, and, and I'm not buying that one, not one bit. I, I didn't even hear that uh, Brady said that. Yeah, it was in Brady's piece, and then I think, uh, I think Lynch was on a, a podcast where he kind of alluded to it, but it's one of those things where I don't know if this is a great urban legend that's just kind of spun out of control or whether there's some validity to it. I love a good conspiracy theory, so I'm willing to go there. So you've never heard this before at all? No, I've never heard that. Okay. That is true. I'm fighting somebody when, when I see him. <laughs> that, that better not be true. Okay. No, no, no. That's, um, I believe, to my knowledge, the play call came from the play caller to throw the ball, and that's it, period. I right. thought it was just a really terrible decision in play call. If an audible was made, no, no, no. I, I would have saw that. You, you could see an audible being made at the huddle. 
And so um, that better not be true. Okay, well, on that note, then I want to get into the dynamic between Russell Wilson and the coach that was at the Super Bowl. Of course, Pete Carroll, because it was interesting. In the aftermath of that win on Monday night, Pete was talking, uh, I think it was with 710 yes, or 7.10 a.m. in Seattle, and talking about how much the uh, alumni and the guys that were there, like uh, Richard Sherman, Marshall Lynch, you mentioned him, Doug Baldwin and everyone, how much it meant to them. And then they asked why, and Pete responded, eh, you figure it out. So and I, I know you, you heard this and you addressed it already. Can you let our listeners know what you thought about what Pete had to say in the aftermath? Coach Carroll is funny. I, I'm, first of all, I'm so surprised that he even spoke about that. But you could tell that this was extremely, extremely personal. And what I believe that he was trying to allude to is that these guys, maybe a few guys have a certain feeling towards you know, Russ, and they really want to stick that game to him. That's all I, I could think of is that these guys have a certain feeling towards them. They really wanted this game bad to show that you are not about to come into our field to this stadium that we built and get a win on us. And so thoroughly surprised that Coach Carroll said that, but he said it, and I believe that's what he was alluding to. But it, and it's, it, I think the thing here is, like, we were talking about dynamics in the room and that some guys – get along with everyone. I, I know you mentioned that you and Cliff Averill, like your personalities where you could get along with everybody. And then there's other guys that aren't just mm-hmm. wired that way, period. And it's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just how their personalities yeah, are. Yeah. So what might apply to some doesn't apply to others because, I mean, it's hard not to look exactly. at social media after that win and see Doug Baldwin tweeting out a gif or, you know, Richard Sherman doing the same thing. So they obviously have a different personality and a different approach and a different reaction. And I'm sure as a guy that gets along with everyone, you have to kind of take that all in and have a chuckle if nothing else. But at the same time, know that, yeah, yeah, I got along with some guys. Other guys on my team didn't. Yeah, and um, those two guys in particular are very honest, blunt, um, a little too blunt at times. And they're just really, really honest. And I believe that with those two guys, it comes from a really good place in their heart. And they just had a certain vision or a certain standard that they wanted to hold guys to. And in their building, they felt like that wasn't being applied to everyone. And so they let it be known. They let it be known. Um, I love those guys. They could be a little petty at times. <laughs> but um, that's just the truth of it. We all are in the locker room together. We all love and respect each other. But to say everyone's friends is a whole different story. Is having a big ego good for a professional athlete or bad for a professional athlete? I, tr- I truly believe that I, I look at myself and, oh, this is a deep question. That's a really deep That's question. A very, it's a very deep, Actually, very, yeah. a, we, we've, we've discussed this a few <laughs> times because yeah. it's often like what builds a great athlete is an ego, but yeah. it's also what can tear apart a team too many egos. Yeah. Yeah, man. And you, Need you need that ego. It's, you gotta have a fine balance. I'm, I'm gonna say that. Okay. You gotta have a fine balance. You gotta have that ego where you step on the field like I'm the baddest man on this football field. Can't nobody mess with me. But you also have to have that side to you to where you could just suppress yourself, take a step back, shut the hell up, and just move and migrate within the team. If, if that makes sense. And so um, I've seen a lot of egos ruin relationships, ruin teams. Um ruin marriages i've seen it all and so on um, when it comes to football you got to have that fine balance because too much can destroy everything are you going to be a coach you seem like a coach that's some good advice right there i will i do not plan on ever being a coach maybe <laughs> high school but to be a professional nfl coach 
um, I can't do it. Please don't let me do it. I tell my wife, honey, don't let me do it. <laughs> I don't want, I would be, I would be great at it. I would be a multi Super Bowl champion as a coach, but I got three kids, man, that I want to see grow and be at all their games. So I, I can't go into that, um, into coaching. Safe to say you're enjoying retirement. I think I read somewhere that, you know, you didn't really enjoy, or it was not say you didn't enjoy your season with the Raiders. It was just a tough situation personally being yeah. away from your family. And then y- you basically said, well, I'm either going to play for the Seahawks or I'm going to play for nobody. They were obviously, they are obviously going in a, a, a youth mode. Um, so mm-hmm. you decided to hang them up. So what's it been like? It's been good. I, I felt like I talked to the fellas. It's like, man, I was like, what's the other side like? Some guys like, it's cool. Some guys like, you got to get a therapist because you're going to have an identity crisis. I'm like, oh, Lord. Like, But right now, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm just, I have to do my media stuff. I wake up every morning, work out, spend time with my wife and kids. My daughter's playing volleyball. So I have, I have plenty to do. So I'm loving it so far. We're speaking to Seattle Seahawks linebacking legend KJ Wright here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, KJ, you mentioned you talked to some of the other guys about what they've been doing in retirement. How often do you guys that were on those great defenses in the Seahawks uh, either get together or hang out or keep in touch? Is it like the front seven and then the Legion of Boom do their own thing? Do you Are you guys on like a WhatsApp group together? Like, how, does it, how, does, how often do you keep in touch with all these I'll give guys? you a million dollars for that WhatsApp group transcript. <laughs> All right, well, here's the thing, because they, they be golfing all the time, so I got to start golfing to be able to hang with the fellas. And so <laughs> right. we're literally all within a, like a 10-mile radius, right? Cliff, uh, Jermaine, they all, all these guys stay close. So we see each other all the time. Um, I know Curse and Cam, they golf all the time. Um, Cliff, we, we talk often, and so all the fellas see each other. And so I'm so thankful that I'm staying in Seattle and my boys are with me too because, uh, man, we essentially grew up together. We became men together had families together, so um, all the boys are here. What made you such a good tackler? Not that I'm complaining about the win. I was happy about the Seahawks' win, but there were a fair number of missed tackles by the Seahawks on Monday night. <laughs> what made me a good tackler is um, I was just a really good football player, and I just believe that our coach, we had a coach by the name of Rocky Seto, and he really taught me the art of tackling. It's, um, if you watch a lot of my plays, near foot, Near shoulder is the art for tackling. Hmm. A lot of these guys, they try to get their head across. A lot of coaches teaching bad football. Near foot, near shoulder, track the guy, understand your speed, understand the angles, and just be aggressive in your in your approaches. So that really changed my career. That was one year I missed like two tackles maybe and made 130. Just, just accredited to that coaching and that style of play that I had. You know, that's that's an interesting answer because I know uh, basketball coaches get asked all the time about rebounding, whether it's like skill or will, because a lot of people say like that there's a technique to it for sure. You got to box out and everything. But at the same time, you just got to want the ball more than the other guy. That's rebounding with when it comes to tackling. Is it more of a technique thing like you were suggesting there? Or is it really just like I'm going to get this guy to the ground and I'm going to want that more than him wanting to stay on his feet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You have to have that mentality. This is a grown man that's trying to feed his family. He's trying to make me miss or he's trying to run me over. I'm the same thing. I'm a grown man. I have a family I want to feed. Man versus man, ego versus ego. <laughs> Who's about to win this battle? And so you definitely have that, have to have that mentality when you step onto the football field because it's the best of the best, the best in the world that's on this football field. And so you have to prove each and every play that I'm the baddest man on this football field.
KJ, this was awesome, man. This was we were really excited to talk to you. More so excited now that we got to. This was awesome. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the Friday Night Lights tomorrow out in Coquitlam, and uh, hopefully we can do this again uh, throughout the regular season. If you, I know you're in media now, so maybe we can give you a call later on as the season progresses. Yes, sir. Let me know. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Thanks, KJ. KJ. We appreciate it. That's KJ Wright, uh, Seattle Seahawks legendary. Linebacker. I've up, I've upgraded him to legendary linebacker now throughout the course of that that, that conversation. You know, sometimes I'll uh, make fun of you for having the like, can we do this again thing and not being willing to just say goodbye. I but can't say goodbye to KJ. I would love to talk to KJ right more. He's great. He was so Man. good. That He's was great. that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, good dude. Um, really good. How about how about my my ego question stumping him there? And I, I don't really... like giving you credit for things, but yeah. that was a great question. Yeah, don't. yeah I know. It only build, trying, I, it builds his ego. I've yeah. actually been trying to engage Halford on that question a few times, and he's kind of not been all that interested. And I was like, "This is a great question. This have, is a great question." Yeah, I have too much of an ego to stoop down. Complex, was, lots of layers. Um, no, the, I'm glad I got to ask him about the craziest part of his answer about the audible was that he hadn't heard about the conspiracy theory. Right. I just yeah. assumed everyone knew about that. Yeah. Right. Because it was. I mean, it, it was a big takeaway from Brady's. KJ's not on the WhatsApp group. Yeah. With, <laughs> with, with a Sherm and Marshawn Lynch. The one that's got Russ's face with a big red line through it, <laughs> like the No Russell Club. Anyway, um, I, 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 I just assumed he would have known. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe like oh, I don't know if I've heard of that before. Yeah, you, it know. seemed genuine anyway. But uh, so anyway, to, if you missed the answer to the question, he's pretty defiant. In his answer, that there was no audible call by Russell Wilson. He also him. said. He also said later. Later in the in his answer, he's like, "That better not have happened." Yeah, he's like, "Wait a minute, he's going to make some calls now." You can hear the wheels turning and the gears going. He's like, "Wait," um, and you know what? The answer about uh, Richard Sherman and Doug Baldwin. I thought it was really refreshing because I think sometimes I love how honest he was. Yeah, and I think a right. lot of time guys during their playing days they just don't want to be that honest and candid because they don't want to deal with the headaches. Yeah, because if KJ Wright's an active player and Doug Baldwin and Richard Sherman are active players, you know what happens after that interview? Headline: uh, KJ Wright calls Sherman and Baldwin "quote unquote" petty. Right, because that's what he said. He said they can be petty at times. Yeah. Right. When you remove the you know competitive nature, because now that they're not playing for anything. Mm-hmm. It's great that he can acknowledge, and I think that was a big part of that locker room and that team and the dynamic is that you had guys that were very strong personalities. You also had guys that um, their personality probably was a reason that they played with a chip on their shoulder. Like Richard Sherman spent his entire NFL career with a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, it was always about I got disrespected this way and this way and that way. That's and that's how I think what he was alluding to with Petty, right? I don't think Doug Baldwin was supposed to be as good of an NFL player and a wide receiver as he yeah. was. He wasn't high, super highly touted. But that, so sometimes uh, when you're that hardwired to be like always on edge or always competing or always thinking that someone's trying to slight you or take away your mm-hmm. livelihood, it's hard to turn it off when you're trying to get along with someone, right? Yeah. Like, it's hey, like living, nice it's like living life having just ingested like six Red Bulls, like, right. You're like yeah. constantly <laughs> on edge. Um, I loved his idea. So the, the Seahawks 30 for 30 would be, you know, you get all of them up on stage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of reminiscent of what, what, what was the, uh, the ESPN hockey doc on the abs, um, Red Wings rivalry. Who did they have? Oh, Who did yeah. they have on stage? They had, um, they had Claude Lemieux and who's the Red Wings guy? Chris Draper? No, Darren no, no, it wasn't. It was McCarty. Yeah, yeah. Darren McCarty, yeah. So that yeah, was yeah, that, that, that was a, that was a really compelling way um, to do it. Can you imagine if you had up on stage 
And this is the thing that you would film beforehand, and then you would fill in all the footage. You'd, you'd get you them had, sitting down in their chairs, prepping nervously. You you would have um, you would have Pete, yep, Russ, yeah, Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch, yep. Like those would be the big four, I think, that you would have. Yeah. Right. And, yep. and, and then you could, I mean, you could add KJ Wright. You could add, you could have like Bobby the, Wagner. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, you could have Baldwin. Yeah. You could have the, the you know, KJ Wright as like the same guy. Yeah, there, right. Yeah. Who was? I mean, it, it would just be terrific. But and, and you know, he he acknowledged like there was so much drama mm-hmm. in the dressing room, and I bet there are so many stories that we don't know about that they could share. Yeah, nor will so we ever. Much fun. Yeah, no it would be so much. Hey, because I I hate. I mean, we're having a like a light jovial conversation, but there was a lot of guys on that team whose lives have really not taken a good turn after football was done. Right? Important members of the Legion of Boom. Important guys all over the shop. Um, and it didn't turn out where they could be in a potential 30 for 30 or being invited to the field to raise the 12th man flag on Monday night football. Right. I mean, it's, it was a very, very, I guess, colorful for lack of a better term team and one that we followed really closely. And now it's interesting to see them all move in. Some of them in the twilight of their NFL careers and some are done with their NFL careers entirely. Yeah. Like KJ is right. I liked his answer when I, when I asked him, why are you such a, how, what made you such a good tackler? And he was like, oh, I was a pretty good football player. Yeah. I was like, oh, that okay. but, that, but then, but then he actually got into um, some technique and, and also just wanting to be able to do it. I always joke that I played, um, you know, three years of high school rugby and I don't think I made a single tackle. Cause no. like, I just, I, I didn't know the technique and I didn't want it bad enough. I was like, that guy's pretty big. Uh, it's funny. That what seems a- painful. Yeah, I, I want to go through with that. Yeah, I, it's totally. It's just like, well, just just uh, just wrap his legs up. I'm like, yeah, but what if one of his legs kicks me? Right. Then so that would hurt. And you know what? The upside for this, not that much. I I played one year of high school football when uh, the high school football coach figured out that I played soccer, so I could punt and kick. Um, so I I didn't I didn't know anything about tackling yeah. form, right? Yeah. And he was like, one of the things that the defensive coordinator because I had to do the we didn't have enough guys for practice, so I had sure. to practice. And he's like, when one thing that's important to remember when you're tackling is when you wrap around the guy's waist, do not put your head in front, put your head behind, like behind his back. Right. I'm like, why is that important? And then he's like, <laughs> he's like so he got a guy. When it happens, you'll know. When he's like, no, he got a guy. He's like, now tackle with your head in front. And then he got a guy to run with high knees. Right. And yeah. all, it's just a series of like elbow blows, but with knees. Right. Just jamming you in the head. I'm like, oh yeah, form tackling is important. Like you can't just freelance it. I'm just going to go sit on, sit on the sideline for a bit. Thank like, you for showing it's, me. It's just a guy mashing your chin into your face and you're biting, like, your tongue's getting all That's why I never got there. it. I was like, how do you do this? Yeah. I'm like, and, I, and then I, afterwards I was like, good tip coach. Thanks for that. <laughs> That's, I, now, <laughs> Oh, Thank know. you for that tip, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Halford in total fraction. <laughs> okay, we got to go to break. Uh, coming back, it is what we learned. It's here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Time now for Sportsnet 650 traffic from the City News 1130 Air Patrol. Eight thirty on a Thursday, Halford Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. Halford and Bruff of the morning is also brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. 
Experience the Delaria difference today by visiting your nearest Delaria Acura dealer today. Okay, so what we learned time here. Uh, we will get the entire KJ Wright interview up for public consumption. And we're also going to try and hack off the part where I asked him about uh, the conspiracy theory that Russell Wilson called a audible at the goal line at the end of the Super Bowl that they lost to the Patriots. Um, spoiler alert, KJ says, no, no audible. I think he said that. I hope there's not. I hope there wasn't. There better not have <laughs> been. Better not one. I'm going anyway, to get to the bottom of this. Uh, that was a lot of fun. We were pretty stoked to talk to him. Like, I mean, we had some pretty cool guests on the show before, for sure. But um, Batch. We batch, batch. We had Batch. Earlier. Yeah, Frank. Yeah. Frank, who didn't like the Johnny Tightlips um, nickname for Patrick Alvin. He didn't get the Simpsons reference. I guess that was it, right? Yeah, yeah okay. Which is fair. It's, a, um, it's an old show now. But it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys still referencing that, huh? Still doing that. <laughs> Oh, good. That was cool talking to KJ Wright, though. That was a lot of fun. So, yeah, we'll get the interview up at Sportsnet650 on Twitter shortly. And, of course, it'll be available for download via podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. The Halbro Experience will be there, hours one, two, and three. Hour three is the KJ Wright. Okay, uh, what we learns, let's do them now. What do we have in the room here, gentlemen? Bruff, Adog, unfortunately, Basketball Ben, a.k.a. Intern Ben, is unable to speak not a medical condition or anything we just our equipment doesn't work properly he can't talk uh, i'm, I'm gonna he keeps start. waving like that's not gonna work yet yeah, hi it's not gonna work but okay hi I, I, i'm gonna Ben's start uh johnny tight lips right now johnny tight lips where'd they hit you i ain't saying nothing but well, what do i tell the doctor tell him to suck a lemon <laughs> <laughs> that's patrick alvin the uh vancouver canucks general manager uh so i learned that uh jurgen klopp the liverpool manager is not a fan of the ideas of new Chelsea owner Todd Bowley. Yeah. I think it's Bowley. I think that's how you pronounce it, not Bailey. Bowley. Yeah. Um, Bowley also owns the the LA Dodgers. Right. Uh, he's, course, he's very American. Yeah. So uh, he's got this idea for uh, an all-star game yeah. in the premiership uh, North versus South. Uh-uh. Uh, North. North versus, versus South. South. Thank you. Uh, all-star game. And Jurgen Klopp said yesterday, when he finds a date for that, he can call me. Does he want to bring the Harlem Globetrotters as well <laughs> and let them play against a football team? Of course, Liverpool has so many commitments, um, you know, in both domestically and then you've got the FA Cup and I don't know the other cup. What's it called? Carabao. Carabao Cup. And then, of course, Europe. Um, many of its players on Liverpool are going to play in bigger international tournaments like the world, the upcoming world cup. So that's more time where they have to kind of siphon off weeks or months and go like, okay, well we, we don't have, and, and you know, now he's sitting there going and you want to play an all-star game too. I know it's, there's a lot, there's a lot at play here. Um, here's the thing conceptually. I'm sure it's a, a decent idea. Is you, you, I mean, you, you bring something that's a tried and true moneymaker in North American sports. All-star games make money. That's what they do, right? They're, 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 they you put on good parties for your corporate sponsors and your corporate partners. Uh, you get a bunch of fans out. You can print some new swag. You can sell some merch. Yeah. It's great. Uh, this is, unfortunately, like the one thing that's at play is this is very much, there's some xenophobia going on here where the English don't, sure. don't want the big ugly American to come in yeah. and uh, 
you know, open wide for some soccer, right? Especially and you, uh, since so many Americans own big clubs over there now, right. and there's there's that natural pushback. Another wrinkle to this is that um, I think Bailey very much, or Bowley, sorry, very much comes from that mindset, like the TED talkification of society, where it's like, let's bring all our ideas to the table and have an open, free-flowing communication without ever really thinking about mm. when you say things or the timing of it. Because the timing of this idea has been met with uh, almost universal scorn in England because right now one of the biggest talking points in football is how condensed the schedule is and how, like you said, how many different competitions the teams are in, how taxed the players are, how they barely had any offseason, how they've got a World Cup interruption in the middle of a season, Mm -hmm. how they just had games postponed because of the Queen's passing and the funeral. Like They're working on very tight timelines. And he said, this isn't like the off season in baseball or basketball or hockey or football where you have four months off. Yeah. That does not exist in the Premier League. And so to yeah, try I think and- the Whitecaps season begins next week. Like their new season. It actually starts before the, the current season is over. If you ever look at the beginning of an MLS season to the very end, it's almost a 12-month enterprise. Yeah. Like there's no time off. Right, and it's because you have to have things baked into the schedule, like an international break, so rush break there. I will say, in in fairness to uh, the ugly American Todd Bowley, yeah, um, he also suggested a tournament with the bottom four teams, so like a relegation tournament. And correct me if I'm wrong, they already do this in the Bundesliga. An all star game? No, 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 no. A turn a relegation oh, tournament. Oh, a relegation tournament, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean it's, that it's, would be fascinating, right? It's, like it is different than what England does, which is literally just the standings at the end the of the standings, bottom, bottom three, three down. Gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh there's a, a few other domestic leagues that do it as well. And England, of course, has a tournament style bracket for promotion. Right. So in the second division, which is called championship. championship. Yeah. This is so confusing. You the first the top two teams get automatic promotion and then there's a four team playoff three four five six go to a playoff right three plays six four plays five bracket style third team goes up so that idea isn't terrible uh, that's great but I think that's a great idea but the, the I mean the the massive difference is that there's stakes involved with that right it's not an exhibition to have the north <laughs> against the south or whatever yeah. they would do right like that that's I mean the the beauty of the style of the football setup in Europe is that you have Again, there's no um, death march unless you're completely out of it. Like at the end of the season, matches matter for mm-hmm. the teams that are at the bottom of the table because your life depends on it. That's what makes like that last year when with Leeds. Yeah, the season it was a horrible season. Mm-hmm. It won nine games out of thirty something. But the last week, meant but the last something. week was and yeah. it's a, it's a very unique sports feeling. You know, we we talk about like sports sadness, mm-hmm. and then we, you had sports happiness on Monday. Yeah, a rare rare dose. Right. So having. Um, the two go up against one another. Like you're happy because you survived and you're still in the Premier League. Yeah. But and you're stressed out because it was so nerve wracking. And it also comes at the end of a season which you hated because you lost all the time. Yeah. Very interesting dynamic. I was trying to work through it in my mind. I didn't it never came to anything. Give us a moo cow there, A Dog. A Dog, do you have one? I don't today. No? Let's just sorry. go to the, uh but yeah, sorry, Ben. Ben, you just want to wave again? There it is. He waved again. Good. Let's just go to the listeners. Okay. We're right up against it for time. Um, Adam, the former bath guy, what we learned, I learned that that last segment proves the elite athleticism of Mike and Jason. Yeah, we were kind of talking about how uh, we weren't great high school athletes. We weren't terrible. 
Well, we weren't great. I do enjoy uh, a number of people have texted in with advice on how to tackle in rugby. Yeah, after a lot I spent, of tackling advice. And, I'm, and I don't need it anymore. I'm, <laughs> you Where know were you I'm 20 good. years ago? Yeah, I'm good. No, I, I, I've lo- it's great that people are <laughs> oh, weighing God. in and everything, but like I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna <laughs> tackle a single person for the rest of my life. If I see someone that needs tackling in the street, I'm gonna be like, you know what? Someone else can make that tackle. I tried it with my head in front one time and it turned out so great. But um, no, actually, you know the funny thing is like trying to learn a sport that like because I was in grade twelve, I had never played organized football before. Yeah, trying to learn everything like I knew the rules of football, I knew how it was played. But dropping yourself in with guys who've done it for a long time and know all the hey, intricacies man. and everything. Try, was... try rugby. When, when, yeah, when same, I, same idea, when, right? When I was in high school, though, no, but it's different. It was way different. We didn't know what rugby was supposed to look like. You couldn't just sure. dial it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. We, no, seriously. We had, no, I know. We didn't know the rules when we right. started. There's a, there's a guy's got a brochure. It's like, welcome to rugby. And then we played all these kids like at St. George's where they like teach them English accents in grade three. You know, they, they just, they just, <laughs> they kind of, they, they knew what they were doing. Uh, Chef Swagger from Hell's Kitchen, what we learned, Serena Williams has teased a potential return to tennis on Jimmy Fallon a little more than two weeks after she was knocked out of the U.S. Open. It was funny. Even when she was being interviewed after that, yeah. she was asked, like, any chance that you might come back? She's like, I guess never say never. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, can anyone just retire? Well, let's see what Roger Federer does now. Because he just announced his retirement this morning. He's going to play. He's back next week. <laughs> well, he is. <laughs> actually, he is because he's going to play in the Labor Cup, and then he's going to retire. But Isn't the Labor Cup in Vancouver next year? I have no idea. I think it is. Dang, we missed on Roger Federer by a year? Yeah. <sighs> There is some big tennis tournament coming to Vancouver. Andy, Google that up real quick. Is it the Alton Brown? Uh, What we learned from Maury the Mill guy, hashtag WWO, what we learned. We got a couple on this one. Uh, A bunch of World Cup kits just got released. Yeah, they did. Uh, The USA World Cup kit got announced this morning. I saw that. It is not popular with the U.S. soccer fans. The Laver Cup is the big tournament you're thinking of. Laver Cup. Yeah. Laver. Laver. (laughs) Remember when you called Arkansas Arkansas? It is Arkansas. (laughs) Y'all have just been pronouncing it wrong the whole time. Bill Clinton. Notice Arkansas. Well, as people at the old station remember, I have a phonetics th- problem. Like yeah. when I used to do sports updates at, at ten forty, I would always have to misspell the name purposely, like phonetically. Yeah. Right. Make sure I pronounced it correctly. Because if I see a name spelled a certain way, I'll pronounce it how it looks like yep. in my head. Even though I know it's wrong. I've been there. Like, like I when, just I yeah. can't Peter get, S- Peter Cetera. Like I, I can't get, yeah, and I well, yeah. I call him Bruce Cockburn on the old station. <laughs> like back in Kamloops, so we, I worked at an oldies station, my first radio job. It's his and name. I mispronounced it says it right there. I mispronounced so many artist names, famous artist names. They had to get a list for me after anyways. Oh my god. I just what got that in one? me. You, you thought that the name of the song was Unskinny Bob. Yeah, unskinny Bob. <laughs> not unskinny Bob. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just about but, a fat guy named Bob. They're just trying to be polite about it. Yeah. He's not fat, he's just unskinny. Hey, look, there's Bob. Yeah. Done skinny. Anyways, okay, I got to finish. It's my curse. This. I have to finish this now. Uh, Maury the Mill guy, uh, World Cup kits just got released. He says Canada either completely missed the assignment or someone sent the warm up kit PDF to Nike. I understand that Canada is not the flashiest nation, but it would have been nice to see more of a statement than simply we are here and we brought dry fit shirts. So what he's talking about <laughs> here is that Canada is not changing anything with their kit for the World Cup. They're going to go to Qatar with the exact same kit that they wore during qualifying. Now, um, Josh Cloquet from The Athletic, or is it Cloak? Anyway, 
uh, he has a piece out right now saying that there are some rumblings and suggestions that part of the reason Canada's not having a World Cup kit is because you need to um, contact Nike about 18 months in advance of the World Cup to start working on the ideas and yeah, everything. They, they, they tried to contact Nike and they were like, Nike was like, well, why? Yeah. You guys aren't making the World Cup. That's pretty much what happened. You know, it's Canada. <laughs> I think I think Canada was like, well, you know what? We're not even going to waste your time, <laughs> Nike. We're not going to bother with this. And then I guess they went on this magical run, qualified for the World Cup, and now they're going to be wearing the exact same kit. Some of the kits are not good. I just saw the Portugal darks, and it's just a big vertical line down, or sorry, a horse. Diagonal line. There you go. I was like, what's the word I'm looking for? A diagonal line down the front of the jersey mm-hmm. to split it half into burgundy and green. Oh. And that's it. Yeah, I don't know what the... that. Didn't, there's no way that took 18 months to come up with, I'll tell you that. Yeah. All it is is a line with two colors on it. If that took 18 months, you should get your money back from Nike. Because that's it's ridiculous. I don't like England's kits at all. I don't mind the darks. I don't mind the darks. The home ones are terrible. Yeah. It's tough. It looks um, like the the blue has been spray painted on or whatever. Oh, it's the one. gradient. Yeah, yeah I'm not a big like fan of the gradient. Yeah, and this is from two guys that really. Anytime a new Canucks jersey comes out, we're like, oh god, you know, we got a 15 think tank pieces from the stanchion on this. But I I don't uh, <laughs> I don't really care about jerseys, but World Cup jerseys I take into a different vein. Anyway, thanks uh, Maury the Mill guy for bringing that up. Chris and Terrace, what we learned after yesterday's show, I can safely say that I need hockey to start when the royal funeral and zinc are making me laugh that hard. <laughs> I realized just how long the summer has been. Yeah, we kind of lost our minds yesterday on the show. No, oh, it was just a little good. bit. It was the it was the listener's fault. It's, it's for the su- best when that happens though. Suggesting I look that, to it every time. Suggesting that we it was tailgating ahead of the the royal funeral. Is that what it's called? The royal funeral? I I guess the queen's funeral. Queen's funeral. And then um where the watch party would be. Right. Right. <laughs> Surprisingly little pushback for that. We had one angry text and that was it. I was expecting uh, a lot more. You know, I think everyone got the gag. Yeah. Also, I think that they had all been desensitized because the day of the Queen's passing on social media yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah. Everyone had material ready. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, it, everyone was ready to go. The with drafts their, were lined up. With their A material, yeah. Matt, uh, oh, Matt and Abby, right. what we learned, show me the most handsome and successful man in the world, and I'll show you the woman who doesn't want him. Hashtag TV12. So what's going on here? Giselle is wants to, it's her time now. She wants to. Is she getting back in the game? I guess. she modeling been, game? She had been listed as doubtful for a few weeks, but now she wants back in. She's right. been upgraded to in. I'm not exactly. She went on Jimmy Fallon and said, listen, I'm, I might do this. Did she go on The Masked Singer? Could she have also been on it? Yeah, I don't. Um, the, the rumors, obviously, everyone knows these, right? Yeah. We're not breaking anything new here. If you read Us Weekly or The Inquirer <laughs> or The Babbler, um, there's obviously alleged strife between Brady and Giselle dating Back to when he decided, no, I'm not going to retire. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to continue to do the football thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I spent two weeks at home, and I'm going back to football. Like, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate every minute of this. The kids aren't even in school. I, but yeah, I don't like it. Anyway, uh, I suppose the alleged strife is that uh, Giselle obviously has a big, flourishing career of her own. Yeah. And it must be tough to balance those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Especially you, with only four nannies. Yeah. Right? Like, like, if they had five, maybe it was easier. Does each kid get their own nanny? I would assume so, You'd yeah. think, right? And you don't share them? No. I don't know how the power Sh- dynamics work. Shared nannies. I don't know how that <laughs> I works. I mean, honestly. I don't know how these things Let's work. Let's not get ridiculous here. <laughs> um, I got one from Unsigned. So it must be from Gary. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Tonight's NFL primetime game 
has the potential to be better than the previous Thursday nighter, which was the season opener. Can't wait to watch two elite quarterbacks face off against one another. You know, that week one quarterback matchup was pretty good. <laughs> you had the defending Super Bowl winning quarterback yeah. in Matt Stafford yeah. and Josh Allen. Does anyone get excited for a Matt Stafford game? Stafford's really good. He's just not. He's not yeah. the. He's not in that tier of. Yeah. I mean, what what is it right now? It's Allen, Mahomes, Rogers still, and Brady still. I would say maybe Herbert. Herbert but he hasn't yeah, won any Herbert now. Yeah. Although Josh Allen really hasn't either. I mean, Denver hopes Russ. So last week or last year, if the, if this matchup, this week two matchup, is familiar, Chiefs and Chargers, it's because they met early last year in week three. And it was the Chargers that got a victory. Remember, the, the Chiefs didn't really have a great start to last year. We're kind of like, oh, I wonder if the yeah. Mahomes magic had waned. Clearly not after week one. They were one, just but... sloppy. Remember all the turnovers? Yep. They were turning the ball over like crazy. Yeah. All those underhand pitches from Mahomes <laughs> finally came back to bite him. He, he like he flew too close to the sun. He's like, I can do anything. That is a good way of I'll putting it. I'll never die. Right. <laughs> I'm invincible. I'm never. We're going to live forever. Uh, Kevin on the road, what we learned. I went to a buddy's barbecue last night. He was barbecuing corn and veggies, no meat. Hmm. I almost left. You don't make friends with salad. Yeah, that's a weird barbecue. You, you don't, don't win friends with salad. You 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 don't win friends with salad. I love it when Marge jumps in at the end. <laughs> Mom. Sorry, I got caught up in the moment. <laughs> Andy, you are you are on with the Simpsons reference. Did you actually see that in the inbox? I did. So I, pre- I prepared. Okay. It's I'm, I'm, I'm I am a professional bond. after all. Is that, uh, yeah, professional. I'm air quoting. You can't see that because we're on the radio. No, uh, we have a stream on Twitter. Uh, that's there's true. five hey. people watching. Um, it is. We have an unspoken bond that we all understand. Whenever we say something, they're like, "There's a Simpsons drop for that." There we is. All, we all get it. Uh, uh, so a meatless barbecue, eh? Yeah, well, that's know. disgusting. <laughs> well, why would you? Why would you do that? That's a, an abomination. Have you? Uh, there, there has to be a warning too. If you invite people over for a barbecue, yeah. Like this is I, a I don't vegetarian have a problem with a vegetarian. Barbecue. Yeah. No, no, me neither, yeah. but a vegetarian bar- I'm sorry, no. Have you tried uh, Beyond Meat? Yeah, actually, it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I, depending where you get it, of course. Yeah. yeah. I've I had some, I've had some like, good Beyond Meat burgers. Like, I'm like, wow, this yeah. is actually really good. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I tried the one at White Spot when they first introduced it, and I remember eating it being like, this is enough of a reasonable facsimile of a White <laughs> Spot burger that- Yeah. I'm, and, and, then I, and then I was like, we're getting close to where- the technology will catch up and you won't be able to tell the difference. Like the strides that they've made so far. I'm really impressed with the non-meat people because it's close. They're getting there. They're getting there. They've got a little ways to go. I what know. we learned, uh, one year after the blockbuster trade, Louis Erickson, Antoine Roussel, and Jay Beagle all remain unsigned. Yeah. yeah I mean, this was the frustration that, that fans had um, and still have with that trade is that the Canucks could have been free and clear of those cap commitments. Um. Now they've got a they've got a sizable cap commitment to Oliver Ekman Larson, um, and we'll see how that ages in Vancouver. Um, There's a very it, real it, chance it, it, that Erickson, Roussel, and Beagle are not in the NHL this year. There's oh, hundred percent. I doubt they. I doubt either of them will be. The three of them. The three, uh, none, none of Just them. Just the odds being yeah. three instead of one. There's like it, it no. Increases. I don't think they will be. I mean, some of the guys are getting PTOs. Okay. Well, like, first of all, Louis lost his game. We all know that. Uh, Jay Beagle is old, and Antoine Roussel, I think injuries really caught up with him, and he's old. Don't get uh, me wrong. I'm not campaigning for any of no. them to get PTOs. I'm just saying. Well, the frustration, and, and again, everyone knows this, right? But the frustration is that last season, you actually put quite a bit of equity into last season, and you didn't even make the playoffs. Yep. Right? Uh, but 
this is the situation we're in. And there's, I guess, no sense in relitigating the past. Although that is what we do most of the time we on tr- this show. We try not to, but we often fall victim to it. I do have a what we learned, actually. The, oh. the white spot, uh, Beyond Meat Burger, made gears work in my brain. Anyways, yeah. uh, Triple O's is having its 25th anniversary on September the 20th. And you can go to pretty much any Triple O's restaurant locally and you'll get their burger for $3.49, which was the price 25 yeah. years ago. So I think this burger is normally like twelve or fifteen bucks or something. So you can get it for three forty nine on September twentieth. That is a very good public service address there. I know that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> I'll be going to every one. <laughs> Just r- roving gas stations around the Lower Mainland eating burgers. Sir, how many of these have you been to already? You got the burger. <laughs> Just give it to me. Give me the burger. Jackson Brophy from Campbell River. What we learned: Canucks management have the tightest lips in the league. That just sounds wrong, but um, gotta be a better way to say that. Gotta be a better way to say that. But Patrick Alvin just does not give you much. His lips. Johnny tight lips. Where'd they hit you? I ain't saying nothing. But what do I tell the doctor? Don't to suck a lemon. Uh, Alvin should start saying that. Yeah. What do we tell about the contract? Tell him to suck a lemon. Yeah. You should start dressing like a gangster. (laughs) He, I don't know if it's um, just his personality or just him being very, very. I think he was warned in advance about Vancouver media. So he was like, just to be aware, with the last guy we had, there were some Mm. problems. So maybe just dial I think it it's that. his personality. I think it's his personality. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if it's anything. Because Jim Rutherford is a particular because, guard. Yeah, but he, he doesn't need to. Doesn't I think part of the allure of hiring him might have been that personality. Yeah. Like, yeah. What if we brought in a guy that literally gave you nothing? Exactly. And I, like, I, I guess it's great. I like uh, I like his answers. Like, okay, what's going on with Bo Horvat's contract situation? Bo's a really good hockey player, and, and we like him a lot. Yeah. All right, then. Because <laughs> it's not that he doesn't answer the question. It's not like he's not a good speaker. Oh, no, he's a great It's speaker. nothing like that. It's yeah. just he's he knows how to say nothing, nothing with just, saying something. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, basically. And, and so it's kind of impressive in a way. Someone will be able to crack the code eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, Do you think it. so? Yeah. I don't think so. Or we'll just we'll get lazy and just be like, this is what I think he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't say this, but this is probably yeah, what he's thinking. To, if I had to guess what he's really thinking, this is what it is. That's yeah, they're the going to trade Horvat for sure. <laughs> you know when all you people are like, this is the current state of journalism? This is the current state of journalism. <laughs> right there. Do you guys think that uh, Horvat, the, a contract for Horvat will be announced in the next week before training camp starts? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think it will. I actually no, will I bet so. on it. I, yeah, I, I think I, so. I think it will. I just think it makes too much sense now. Like you, it's a, you had this spiel where you wanted mm-hmm. to get Miller done before camp opened to why, avoid the distraction. Why would that like idea or philosophy not apply to Horvat as well? Conceptually, I like mean. we're all assuming that they're working on it right now, right? Yes, very much so. When we put together our off-season checklist, mm-hmm. we didn't vet it with the Canucks or anything. We're like, oh, this is probably what it looks like. More good journalism. Um, <laughs> we said like it would be you know, they'll get the Besser extension done, and yeah. then. They'll address Miller, and they won't let it go into the season. And then it's, oh, yeah, Bo Horvat. And I know Horvat was always considered number three because it wasn't super pressing, and there was that understanding that he he was going to come back. Maybe Horvat is just just negotiating extra tough just because everyone assumed that he'd sign. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to be pushed around here. <laughs> JT Miller gets all this attention. That'd be great. I'm the captain, damn it. <laughs> and it's like so see-through. Super, no, like, super passive-aggressive. Like, yep. Yeah, maybe I'll take a look at that at some point. But I know you guys are pretty busy with JT Miller. All oh, this pile of unread faxes. That's just... <laughs> they still use a fax machine. Uh, all right, what's coming up on the show tomorrow, Andy? What do we got? 
Uh, well, tomorrow is, I'll jump in real quick. Tomorrow's Ask Us Anything Friday, which is always fun. So you can start getting those in now if you want. The Dunbar number text line is 650-650. What do we have guest-wise tomorrow? That is a good question. 6.30, Brian Slusser Chuck. I actually got his pronunciation oh, from the boy. from the guy. You got it, and that's what you finished with? S-L-U-S-S-U-R-R Chuck. That's the phonetic, phonetic spelling. Slusser Chuck. Uh, Brian Andy, Slus- what's his name? Brian Slusser Chuck. There you go. Okay. What? Bri- you, what? Brian Slusser Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That can't well, he, be right. It can't be right. That's what the guy, the media guy for the bandits. I said, "What's okay. the what is the phonetic spelling?" He said, it, "I copied and pasted it onto my notes." Slusser Chuck. S L U S S U R R Chuck is is the phonetic spelling. That's how you spell his name. Um, that's I'm sure he he's thrilled to come on the show. Yeah, now, he's listening right now, and he's already canceled. He's one of the co-owners of the Vancouver Bandits, who of course just rebranded. Seven o'clock. We got Brady Henderson as always. He's our seven o'clock regular on Fridays for Seahawks talk, and of course the Moj at eight. Big show. BC Lions. Big show. And maybe one more guest down the road. Uh, tomorrow we'll also get to do a Thursday night football recap and all of our usual Friday hijinks and shenanigans. But that's for tomorrow, everybody. We got to get out of here for today. Uh, signing off, I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been the A Dog, and he's been Basketball Ben. Wave again one more time for the, there it is. Uh, this has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.